this week's episode, we have a very special guest, Diana Young. Diana Young is someone that I came across through an LGBTQ plus Facebook group. And I'm mentioning that because just last week when we had Tanya LeClaire on, she was talking about um, digital literacy and the role that it plays for advocates. And I just want to point out that digital citizenship and being aware of online social media networks does too. So without further ado, here is Diana Young. Uh, my name is Diana Young, and um, I'm currently teaching at um, the English College in Prague, and I teach uh, uh, politics, uh, history, and theory of knowledge. And I've worked mainly in international education for about the past 30 years. And I'm a trans woman. So, listeners, I want you to <laughs> I want you to hold that thought for a minute and try and think about what you felt when you first heard my voice. Was there any uh, doubt, uh, a feeling of disconnect or dissonance? Um, because it happens there. Um, we're in the Czech Republic, and so what I'm going to describe is a series of activities and some activism, but my Czech isn't very good. And so most of, the, most of what I do is in English, or through translation um, in different groups that I'm involved in. Um, later on, I think it might be an idea to talk about the the, sort of the legal um, restrictions on trans people in the Czech Republic. So um, I, I'm a teacher, but I'm also quite busy uh, with political activities outside of school. Um, on the left, uh, in trade unions and feminist groups and in LGBT groups. Um, I do lots of the usual agitational stuff, like writing articles and attending meetings, and marches, but also I've been on panels and, uh, and workshops. And so we'll use some examples from um, uh, trans-themed workshops. We are so happy to have you on the show, and I'm wondering if you can speak a bit about the LGBTQ plus trainings that you do with educators and how you go about actually deciding what priorities you think are the most important for educators to be thinking about today. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that not all of my engagement is with teachers, uh, and so all those in education. Uh, but uh, I recently, in fact... This, uh, uh, very recently, uh, I was involved in running a workshop at the Women Ed Conference in Prague. Um, my, uh, my impression um, is that most teachers are absolute beginners when it comes to trans issues. For example, the vast majority of, of teachers, and they live and they work in the Czech Republic, are completely unaware of the, um, uh, the stringent laws which apply to trans people in this country which include forced sterilization. Uh, there is no equal marriage in this country, and so forth. Uh, most colleagues had never engaged with a living, breathing trans woman, let alone somebody who is, as, uh, is an experienced teacher. Uh, most of the questions at the end of the sessions came from teachers trying to find the best way to uh, accommodate uh, uh, trans students. But it was clear that they'd received no guidance from, uh, from their schools. Uh, these days, schools are very strong when it comes down to safeguarding, but it is evident that there is nothing done to train teachers in how to, 
uh, how to approach or how to involve uh, trans kids in school. And these trans kids, research shows, are among the most threatened in the, uh, in the community. How, um, this is not specific. I want to say something about not just that particular uh, conference, but other workshops and other sort of engagements I've had over the past couple of years. And so in a broader political activism, it is also clear that the, there's a great deal of ignorance. I mean, these are progressive people. They're the wokest of the woke. Um, and there's an ignorance about what, trans, uh, what harm transphobia does. Uh, there is only a superficial understanding of, of things like turf ideology. Um, and thing, mis, misgendering is often dismissed as simply trivial. Where would you see your participants have their thinking be stretched the most? This is, this is an interesting question, really. I've had, um, when we talk about stretched thinking, because the, I mean, I would say that, I mean, I've been involved with um, what we're going to hesitate to call trans activism for quite a while now. Uh, and I've educated myself in terms of the philosophies of, uh, of those who threaten those. Um, and I, I have a particular framework in which I'm operating, which is a Marxist framework. Um, but I feel that um, that I, I, <laughs> I feel that I know quite a lot about what I'm talking about. Um, and so I'm probably expecting too much of my audience. Um, that um, I've spent a lot of time trying to get to the point where I know what the issues are, and. Part of the frustration is, is that I have to encourage the audience to catch up really quickly. So the kindest explanation would be that people have other priorities. I mean, trans people represent a very small minority, um, and there are perhaps other things going on which have a higher priority. Although uh, <laughs> a more pessimistic view would be that, oh, well, nobody's bothered. Um, so I think there's a number of things which, which strike me as particularly challenging. Uh, and I suppose one of these is the um, is the idea of cis sexism. Uh, frequently, when we do for a general population of people, we say, "Well, what does cisgendered mean?" And uh, and so, therefore, what is cis sexism? Um, and in summary, it just means that you have ninety nine point three percent of the population using their advantage over the zero point seven percent of the population. But when that is when that is ex explained or introduced to an audience, uh, people become very defensive and say, "No, no, 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 no! I'm not any way oppressive of trans people. I'm, I'm, I'm an ally." Um, and the and I think one of the one of the hazards which um, I've encountered for myself is that I have become less tolerant of other people's transphobia. Um, and, and I think that is one of the challenges for me is that I have to be patient and recognize that not everybody is up to speed yet. How and when did you first find yourself getting involved in this sort of advocacy work? Many, many years ago. Um, I, I joined the Labour Party 40 years ago. This is 40 years ago last month. 40 years ago, yeah, it's 40 years ago last month. Well, at the age of 16. Uh, and I've and I've really been politically active ever since. Um, not always in the Labour Party. I left the Labour Party in 1992 after well after the 92 election. 
but I was involved in trade unions, I was involved in feminist groups, I'm involved in a series of different things, not rather than specifically trans issues. Um, but in 2015, I came back to Prague and I started, effectively started my, trans, my effective transition then. And I began, began to meet um, trans people. Before 2015, I'd, there was like this network of people online, but living and working in Prague meant that I could, I could meet trans people as friends and as, uh, as comrades in that sense. But I've also, I'm, I'm saying that this is where um, um, my transition made it easier for me to identify trans issues and other trans people. Um, but it's, it's not that suddenly I became a trans activist. I was simply adding trans issues to the, uh, to the, um, to the activism which was already going on. Um, in fact, I mean... <laughs> um, Rather than a trans advocate, I've always felt myself like a, a, a Trotskyite or a Trotskyist who happened to transition. Um, and so, uh, but I think when you experience um, transphobia um, as a personal, uh, uh, personally, um, and then you come across a level of ignorance and the harm that that inflicts, it certainly concentrates the mind. And, and I would say over the past couple of years, that has uh, trans dealing with transphobia and enlightening people about the impact of transphobia has become like a priority for me. You've been doing this work and thinking about these issues for so long. I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about the resources that are inspiring you the most recently. Okay, this is <laughs> this is quite interesting because it it it, it shows what a Bloody um, dinosaur! Now. Um, I would say that I mean one of the reading groups we do is about is about Marx's Capital, and we're reading through Volume One of, of of Capital, and that to me provides because it's quite a holistic um, system. It, it 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 to me it describes and explains exploitation, but also oppression. And as a trans person, I feel that I'm I'm oppressed, and I can understand where that oppression comes from. So the first thing I would recommend uh, is the volume one of Capital. But um, on Facebook, there is a very good um, group which is called Trans Rights UK. And that keeps you informed in terms, of the, in terms of the news, but also in terms of the issues, in terms of organisations in the UK. In the Czech Republic, we have an organisation which is simply called Transparent. Um, and that is, uh, that is an NGO and it... it produces reports, but also does some activism work. Um, there's a very good Facebook, uh, Facebook group, and it's called International Schools Educators, LGBT and Allies. And again, this is, gives us a little bit more of a global reach. Um, in terms of books, in terms of websites, websites there's, a, there's a website called Everyday Feminism, uh, which is perhaps the more inclusive of, uh, of feminist websites. A uh, very good website, which hasn't been updated for a bit, and it's called Trans Safe Feminism. And uh, there's a very good section on, on how to, uh, how to um, engage with trans people for safe space type things. Uh, the best book I read over the summer was uh, Mithru Sanyal, and it's simply called Rape, 
Oh, why is that a good book? Um, it's a good book because because uh, the um, how she deals with the social context of rape, um, rather than simply talking about um, um, male sexual reproduction and so forth, or through sexual reproduction. Um, I feel that, or I believe rather, that um, it's a duty of trans people to understand the contrary ideology of trans-exclusionally radical feminism, of TERF ideology, and the best, can we call it the best book? The best book on TERFs is, is called Gender Hurt, and it came out in 2014, and it's by Sheila Jeffries, the classic um, TERF um, text is Janice Raymond's uh, Transsexual Empire, which came out in 1979. Those are all available in sort of bootleg versions on, online somewhere. Uh, but really, I mean, what has been giving me uh, something which is much more positive, obviously, reading turf stuff does your head in, but the, um, what is much more positive and inspirational is basically anything by Nancy Fraser, who's a materialist feminist. Um, and I find that uh, gives me some, some hope and determination and some sort of plan about how we um, deal with society in which we live. So from following you on social media, I know that uh, quite recently you were involved in leading a workshop. Can you just give us a bit more specific information around the types of questions that you were asking and what the participant experience was like? Um, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to describe a recent campaign. This campaign took maybe four or five months. Um, we had, uh, well, we're not we, I don't know why I'm saying we. Um, the Prague Writers Festival invited the author, uh, Jermaine Greer, to come and speak. Uh, and this was, uh, this became a notice uh, towards the end of May. And obviously, um, I'm aware that Jermaine Greer is a notorious transphobe. And so I was thinking that we must do something about this. And uh, so um, um, I wrote two journal articles and uh, about turf ideology. Um, I did uh, also its links to populism. Um, I sort of immersed myself in this toxic discourse. Um, but by the beginning of uh, uh, by the beginning of October. We had built a coalition of over 20 socialist, feminist and LGBT groups to sign an open letter to condemn the visit and to commit ourselves to anti-capitalist politics, uh, inclusive feminism and zero tolerance of transphobia. And so this campaign uh, wasn't simply about Jermaine Greer, but became something a little bit more um, ambitious. Uh, producing a united front and saying what we wanted rather than simply saying we didn't like Greer. So with this campaign in mind, uh, I was on a panel during Prague Pride Week talking about LGBT history, but also about the history of turf ideology. Now, one of the interesting things as a consequence of this is that um, um, it does not often come from trans people, but more often it comes from feminists. Um, they dismiss, uh, they dismiss turf ideology as not feminist, which you can say it's not our type of feminist, but um, any sort of an analysis of turf ideology reveals it to be uh, linked to second wave feminism, Shula Myth Firestone, um, radical feminism, where is trans-exclusionary radical feminism. So I think, I think that um, dismissal of turf ideology is not feminism is a little bit lazy and so i think we need to be a little bit more robust in how we deal with these things 
Um, the, and so I think it's rather sad. <laughs> I think it's rather sad that it's the trans woman who has to, that feels that she needs to um, swallow all this toxic, uh, this noxious ideology. And so, so if nothing else, uh, there seems to be a, a broadening of the politics involved. I mean, I think that's, that's a good thing. That's a positive, positive thing. Uh, and so I think one of the things which we can learn from this campaign is that it is possible to build a coalition of interest. Uh, um, uh, and it's not simply that trans people are doing things in isolation. Can you tell us a little bit about what's coming, uh, what's on the horizon for you in 2020? What I would like to do is to retire and not have to do this again. But you don't have this sense of duty that you should um, should carry on doing things. Um, am I an optimist for 2020? We've got an election in the UK. And sadly, even if there was like a resounding Labour victory, I don't see a reduction in hate speech and physical attacks on LGBT people and others. Um, turf ideas and language are already in the mainstream. And, and because of what I would describe as a lack of joined up thinking, um, I've noticed a lot of turf ideology and, uh, and uh, trans hate, even amongst those people on the left. Um, and so really what I would like from 2020 is, is, um, is um, a more coordinated uh, response to these, these things. From a um, Central European perspective, we can look at what happened in Poland recently. They had an election just last month. And part of the, um, part of the campaign was an attack on what was labelled LGBT ideology. And this, this brought about the victory of the PIS, these are, who are best described as clerical conservatives. So the, the political landscape in the Czech Republic is quite different, but at the same time, the issue of promoting LGBT rights is much the same. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a bit lazy, again, to, to sort of say post-communist countries, um, but there are similarities between Poland, Czech Republic, Hungary, and Slovakia, and so forth. Um, History can go backwards, uh, and this worries me about, and we look at the example of Poland, this, this, this does worry me. And there's no law to say that we will always um, go forwards and everything will be, um, become more progressive and so forth. So I think, I think we need to be aware of this, um, especially in a Czech context when we are almost like expecting equal marriage to come around very soon, uh, and then we're just hoping that forced sterilisation will be taken off the statute book. Um, in schools in Prague for 2020, what would be nice, I suppose, would be a, a need to um, improve the awareness of staff of the needs of uh, our trans students and uh, trans teachers. Um, uh, there's no point in simply having a workshop. I'm not a great believer in that. We do a workshop and there's 50 people in the room and once they've done the workshop, then we can say that they are aware. I'm not sure that's the most effective way of doing things. But perhaps building a network of those people who have a, a degree of commitment to improving, um, to uh, raising awareness, um, that, might be, that might be useful. Um, some sort of agreement about what a trans safe space looks like might be, might be a good idea as well. Um, my hope for 2020 is that I won't have to do this. That would be great. People would actually stop getting in contact with me for a few of these things. Sadly, I'm not sure that's going to happen. 
Diana Young, thank you so much for providing your insight, for giving us a great list of resources. Um, that list of resources will be included, of course, in our show notes. If listeners want to find you online, where should they go? Um, anyone should feel free to quite easily find me on Facebook as Diana Young. And if you add Prague as well, then you're bound to find me. Um, but please, anybody listening to this, please get in touch. And I'd love to swap ideas and resources and, uh, and initiatives.